Man, was that worth being in the house this morning? Wow, what an awesome. Give God a round of applause. Man, God is so good. So good here this morning. I already, I need a new hanky. So, uh, man, I, I don't know if you were, I was crying. Ian, do I have a booger on my nose? Anyway, uh, so I hope you guys had a good time this morning. So I'm not your typical pastor. Uh, welcome to Connect Church. My name is Terry Pierce, and I get to be the lead pastor here and share with you guys every Sunday. I know it's supposed to be like a high of 20 next week, but you guys suited up, come to church on Valentine's Day anyway, and our greeter teams will be here with a Valentine's banquet to uh, snuggle you with and bring you into the services this morning. You guys come on in. Anyway, uh, we are so glad that you guys are here today. And uh, last Sunday, and by the way, I want credit for this. Last Sunday, um, me being me, I had a glass of water and I used, and I talked about refraction. Remember that? And I talked about refraction, a scientific term, and I had a glass of water sitting on the table with a spoon in it, and I sort of defined what that scientific term was. And I want credit for this. I preached that sermon twice last Sunday, while Sunday on stool, and I never knocked the water over. I want some credit for that, okay? And so how many of you thought I was going to knock the water over? But anyway, uh, anyway, uh, that was went over well. So uh, I was talking about refraction last Sunday, and our science nerds text me this week. They loved it. They were into the sermon, and so uh, that one was for you guys. But um, Sunday night in Connect Groups, one of our non-science people... <laughs> I won't mention his name, but uh, he starts off in our Sunday night connect group, and he says, well, Brother Terry, got to be honest with you. When you started talking in science terms like refraction, he said, I sort of drifted away. <laughs> Just being honest. And he said, I got to thinking about when I was growing up, he said, I don't know if it's the same thing about, you know, what you were talking about in the spoon, but he said, when I was growing up, he said, we used to go bow hunting for fish. Now, he lost me there. I'm, you know, I'm not an avid hunter, but I hunt in some, and I know about bow hunting for deer. Uh, I've heard when we live in South Georgia about bow hunting for wild hogs. I've even heard of bow hunting for bear. I think it's stupid. I want a gun. Uh, I want a big gun if I'm hunting a bear. But uh, I've never heard of bow hunting for fish. So at this point, oh, Bobby has uh, got me interested, and he's got me on the line here. And he says, well, this is what I was thinking about while you were telling the story. I don't know how much of the sermon missed because it took him a while to tell the story. So let me give you the abbreviated version. But anyway, uh, he, was, he said, you know, when we were hunting as kids for bow hunting for, kid, uh, for fish when I was a kid, he said, we realized, and he said, that when the, you would see the fish in the water, you knew the way the light was hitting it, if you shot what it, it looked like, you were going to miss it. The fish was already ahead of you, so you had to aim and not look at what the reality was telling you and know that it just wasn't there. It was going to be in front of you. And then I looked at Bobby, and I was so impressed. And I said, buddy, that's refraction. You nailed it. And he looked back and goes, I thought so. Uh, anyway, and so, uh, and so this morning, uh, I just want to remind you guys today that that's exactly what refraction is. And if you just refresh your memory, it is the fact that it's given you a distorted view of reality. It makes the spoon in the glass look like it's bent or broken, but really, in reality, it's not. And every day in your life, every day in your life, you are having a refracted culture telling you that faith in God is dead. You live in a society and on the media and everybody else around you is telling you that God is dead, the church is dying, and you really don't need to go to him. And your institutions of higher learning are telling you that you're weak-minded if you go to church. We don't need to believe in God anymore, James. We need to make ourselves as the God and the epitome because we can figure everything out. How's that working for you? How's that working for a country? How's that working for our education system? Maybe we are not as smart as we claim we are. And every day, that refracted view of reality, Satan uses it to curse your faith and to get you to disbelieve in God because Satan doesn't want you to know and experience the power of God's healing, his grace, 
in his forgiveness. Because when you do, you're going to have a faith that is growing. And matter of fact, how do we answer this culture and society that we live in? We need to pray that God will grow our faith and we will not any longer have a refracted view of who God is. Matter of fact, write that down. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. This is the title of our message today. And uh, those of you that are taking notes, all right, you ready? Um, God grows our faith. Now put a dash by there, part two, because we began this last Sunday. This is part two, and uh, we're going to finish it. God, in his sense of humor, knew that this was going to be an hour and a half sermon, and so he needed to give me a little heart trouble so that we could break this thing up and do it twice, and then next Sunday we'll start Forever Families. And by the way, we need you guys to get signed up for the couples retreat. Uh, I know the webpage was down a little bit. I'm telling you, next weekend we're going to start the Forever Families. Next Sunday is the deadline to sign up for the couples retreat in this house, in this building. We're going to bring to you help for your marriage and your family and raising kids. Dr. Eddie Moody, literally one of the most uh, sought-after speakers, written books on marriage and the family, the new president of Free Will Baptist. He is going to be in the house Friday night. Friday night, not only are you going to have a good time and learn about marriage and family life, uh, we're going to do it in here around the tables, but we're going to finish out Friday night with Tanner and... um, the uh, what's the the dating game show? He's going to do or no, not dating. What is it? Newlywed. That's much better. This <laughs> for a marriage conference. Uh, yeah, we're going to do the dating game on. Oh my gosh, uh, on uh, on the on the marriage. You guys need to come. So it's going to be funny. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Tanner is, and then it's going to be a great time on Friday night. Go onto the webpage right now and sign up. And then Saturday uh, during the break time, we're going to have an adult scavenger hunt. We're going to get in our cars, and the last one back back is a rotten egg. And so it's just going to be good with just marriage couples going out and doing cool stuff. So anyway, get signed up for the couples retreat next. And by the way, we've got professional child care. We're paying for your kids to be supervised all ages up to fifth grade. And we're going to do this well. We're going to do it quality. No excuse for you guys not to be here. Get signed up this week. Next week is the deadline. If you've never been to anything with our church family, now's the time to have fun with us. I promise you it's going to be a great time together. So back to the message. We're talking about how does God grow our faith. And as we go through this process, uh, you realize that uh, this is what our church is about. We are a family. Uh, we've tried to teach you for the last five weeks, in summary of all of the sermon message in, in this series, that we are a family, uh, not an institution, and we're about relationships. Relationships matter and how we live out the information that we've learned. Here's the three things that are distinctive about connect church in this community. We believe we live out this family thing by making disciples. We're about sharing the gospel, and we believe in the power of prayer. This is us. Um, I know our congregation. We're simple folks. I know our pastor, simple dude, and so we can make it real. This is everything we do. This is, this is who we are. This is what we care about. This is the focus of our church, and this is it. We want to make disciples. We want to share the gospel And we want to believe that all of it happens by the power of God because we pray. This is who we are. This is Connect Church. This is us. This is our church family. Well, let me begin. If you haven't caught up, and I'm not going to have time to do it today, but we're going to do it a little bit differently this morning. For the last five weeks, uh, last four weeks, I have defined for you biblically what the Bible says a church should be like. And what we've helped you understand, the biblical definition that church is a family, not an institution. And now today is going to be a little bit different. Um, We are going to dig into the scriptures here in a little bit, but we're going to really apply this message after four weeks of defining it biblically. Here's what it looks like, and let me illustrate it to you and see if you can relate. I've compiled stories over the years. These are not necessarily three distinct cases, but they represent distinct cases, and multiple times I've come across these three people, and you might relate or find yourself in one of these three stories one time or another. Number one, a guy is, um, made a call a while back, and a guy is just faithful member of our church, has not been coming, and so I called him, and I just said, hey man, um, you know, missed you. Uh, you haven't been here in a little while. And he, um, I could tell in his voice that things were not good. And he said, yeah. He said, um, things in our marriage, and my marriage is not going well. Struggling. 
And he said, Pastor Terry, to be honest with you, I just can't put my game face on and come to church and do it anymore. And it broke my heart, Danny, because this guy who's grown up in church and been in church all of, our, all of his life has bought into the lie from Satan and many of you that the church is an institution. And the pitiful thing was is he didn't understand this whole family concept. So his thinking is, is that I've got to be fine when I go to church because you know what we do, don't you? Hey, how you doing, Lane? Oh, I'm fine. How are you doing, Baylor? Oh, I'm fine. How you doing, John? Oh, I'm fine. You know how we play. It, we've got to be fine and have it all together to go to church. Otherwise, people might find out that we've got issues. And so when we have problems, rather than run to the church, rather than run to the family, we avoid it and we run. And this guy was doing just that. And, I, and it broke my heart because he sees the church is this place that he's got to have it all together to be able to show up or somehow it, he's not going to look good before God like God doesn't see him every day of his life. The number two guy. This was back when things sort of tanked in the economy. Can you imagine that ever happening? And um, he... Um, lost his job. And he was a dude that was in our church that was just a leader. I mean, he was the guy that he would serve and he would help out people that were in need, a great heart. And when he lost his job, he quit coming to church. And so I called him and I said, man, we're missing you. And he said, I know. He said, I just can't do it anymore. And I could tell in his voice that he was broken and he was wounded. And he said, I just can't go there anymore knowing I'm the guy that is now in need. And what he was thinking was, I've been the guy that has always lifted everybody up. I've been the leader that people look to. I've been the guy that reached out and helped. I've been the guy. Because what his view was, I go to church for three things, an institution. I go to church to serve, not a bad thing. I go to church to tithe and give. He had always been a great giver. And I go to church to be fed. And don't raise your hand, but how many of you are like guy number two? That's the only three things I've ever been taught that we're supposed to do in church. That's the only three things I've ever been taught that we're supposed to Because we looked at church as an American institution. That's the way my mama raised me. That's the way we grew up in the southern church. That's the way we're supposed to do it. Serve, tithe, and go to be fed. And that's it. We don't understand. And when, when things get broken in our life, we think there's no place for me there anymore. Because I can't do those. I've lost my job. People are going to judge me and think I've got sin in my life because everything's screwed up for me. And so he quit because he said, I just can't bear the fact that I'm the dude that now needs to be served. And then number three, here's a lady. It happened multiple times, all three of these stories. She was a children's church worker. She was every youth pastor's dream. She volunteered. <laughs> That's all they're looking for. Anyway, and uh, uh, she was every nursery worker's dream, actually. Uh, she just volunteered, and she was faithful. She was like money. Uh, I mean, she was always there. She did it when everybody else would not show up. She was the one that was working it, and she had great dreams and visions for the nursery and the children's church ministry, and she was that person that volunteered. If you put four star, five stars, she was the five-star one every, every week. And she got burned out and she quit and she just stopped coming to church. And me and the youth pastor got together and I said, you know, what's going on? You know, you've, I mean, you're, you're our star student, you know, you're the star church member. And she just said, I, I'm out. And I mean, just like cold turkey, boom, gone. And we said, you know, and I asked her, I said, why? And she said, well, Pastor Terry, my husband's quit coming to church. He doesn't like it there. And I knew what she was saying because I knew her husband in this case. And he didn't like getting real in his life. And she goes, he wants to go to a little small church 
and I'm tired of fighting him. And so she just quit. And she dropped out of everything because her view of church was serve, give, and be fed. And when everything went south in her life, she didn't understand we're a family. We know your pain you're going through. We're going to be there to love you and care for you and to pray for you. And ladies and gentlemen, the truth of the matter is, don't raise your hands this morning, but all of us at one time or another, have you not found yourself in one of those people? Have you ever had a problem that you wanted to, that you just didn't want to tell anybody about because you were afraid of being judged? You're afraid that they wouldn't understand? You saw the churches serving, giving, and connect just with God. And the church, listen to me this morning, and this is what you need to get. The church is so much more than that. Here's what it means to be a church family. We're here to give you encouragement in small groups where you learn how to get through this life is you need relationships with other people. Did you hear what I just said? In small groups, you learn how to share. You do not want to leave this message. At the end of this message, I'm not just going to give you theory. I'm going to tell you about how God is doing it in your lives, in your lives. And you're going to hear what he wants to do in your life. But folks, I'm telling you this morning, church family means I come here and I get connected to people and I learn I'm not the only one that is screwed up. I'm not the only one that is walking through a difficult week. I'm not the only one that is having problems at work and home. And I've got other people that not only will hold me accountable, but they're going to help me take the sermon. And when our pastor is so marvelous at uh, delivering the word of God and he gives us these dynamic truths, they're going to say, I didn't get it all. I drifted away, but here's what I got out of it. I love that story from Bobby because that's his version of listening in and getting the message. And when you hear other people, you're going, I can relate to that. I didn't get that, but I learned that that's good. And it's in small groups and discipleship groups that you learn to connect to people who grow your faith, you need the encouragement and the accountability and the, and the uh, opportunity to learn from one another. That's family. Notice the difference. So what have we learned this month? We need help. And God doesn't answer your prayers. You hear me this morning? He doesn't answer your prayers by you showing up on Sunday morning and saying, I'm in a desperate situation. You know what would help me? And, and I know how some of y'all are living, especially in these days. If I just won the lottery, then all of our problems would be solved. And, you know, or maybe we need another round of stimulus checks. <laughs> anyway, uh, but all, if I just, sorry, did that come out? Uh, if I just won the lottery, then all of our problems would be solved. Or, if you're back in my day, maybe, I'm just praying, if they could go out back and find an oil well, uh, move me and the Clampets to Beverly Hillbillies because we need the money. Uh, I'm just praying that that happens. I got news for you. They ain't digging an oil well in your backyard. You're not moving with Granny to, to Beverly Hillbillies, and you're not going to win the lottery. So can I offer you a real soluble solution? How about you put your faith in God? Can I have permission this morning to get a little bit real? like I've ever asked your permission to tell you what I think anyway. So let's just go ahead and be normal. I'm just doing that for the guest, so they'll be impressed. <laughs> this is what we do here because I love you. And we shoot straight with you every Sunday here. And we'll do it again next week. I'm going to offend you, so I'm just telling you up front, don't be mad at me. Well, go ahead, but it's okay. Because I love you. Here's what we tend to do in the church in America, and dare I say even connect church perhaps, and we do, is when we have these problems and these issues, like these three people that we just described to you or whatever you're going through, you know what we tend to do, don't you? Yeah, I'm going there. We first of all numb ourselves when we come home from work because our marriage our kids, the pressure of this life, 
everything politically that's going on. And so what do we do? Do we turn to the Word of God? Do we turn to prayer? No. Do we ask God and share with Him and vent to Him what we're going through? No, you know what we do, don't you? Is we drink ourselves under the table every night. And we get drunk to numb our feelings because somehow, if I can't feel it, then it'll magically go away the next day. And then you repeat the process on Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, and then you really do it well on Friday and Saturday. Now let's just go ahead and tick everybody off. Or we go to the doctor. My life, doc, is so messed up right now. I've got so much anxiety and you can't imagine what I'm living through and I need help. And you know what your doctor does. He is so patient and kind that he sits with you and says, let's set up a counseling regimen. Let's dig deeper and find out what emotional issues that you're going through. And we're going to recommend that you get professional counseling. We're going to put you with a good Christian counselor and they're going to help unpack all of the issues in your life that's causing all this anxiety, why you're thinking up and screwed up. No, your doctor doesn't do that. He takes out his pad because he's ready to make money and get to the next patient. Oh yeah, I'm going there. And he's going to write you out pills so that you can numb yourself to your pain. Now, I got you mad. Let's take it a step further. Let's make sure we get everybody mad. Or we sit at home every night. Oh, I'm a Baptist, so I'm not doing the pills and the booze. So what I'm going to do, whatever. So I'm going to sit on my phone and I'm going to social media and make sure that I get enough likes to help me feel better about myself, and I'm going to spend my night not talking to my family, not talking to my God, or better yet, I'm going to play video games, and I'm going to shoot everybody and murder everybody because I wish I could do that in real life. And so I spend my night numbing myself, not spending time with my kids, not spending time with my marriage, and not spending time with God. Am I ticking you off yet? Now listen to me. I'm not saying any of those things I just described are wrong in themselves. You hear me? Some people need, and we all, it's okay to be on your phones. It's okay to play video games. I'm not saying any of this stuff is wrong in itself, but when you use it to become an idol in your life to take the place of God, then that's sin, and it will never bring you freedom it will never bring you peace, and it will never give you hope for the future. Did you hear what I just said? The booze, the pills, the games, the social media, none of it is going to give you freedom from your pain. When you get done, it's still there. It's never going to give you peace because it can't solve your problems, and it certainly doesn't give you hope for tomorrow. But can I tell you about one who can? Well, nobody's with me now. And before you cast your first stone at me and get mad and say we're going to another church, can I tell you I've been there with you? Because we're family. few years ago things were not going well in the ministry here and we were making changes and people were ticked <laughs> like, like I just did and uh, except it was over philosophical things and uh, the style of our church becoming a family and not an institution and you would have no idea how people love to hold on to institutions <laughs> not everybody's crazy about family church and um, the pressure had really gotten to me don't judge me y'all ever been there where your life wasn't going as you planned it and I was doing my version of numbing because uh, I'm more spiritual than you I was watching basketball what's wrong with watching you know the Lakers play and um, I was up at night mad at you guys mad at the world and our son walks in and he said dad I need to talk to you He's a teenager. <clears throat> he said, Dad, he said, are you and Mom okay? 
And I was good at faking it like you guys. And I said, son, dude, it's the fourth quarter and Kobe's hot and, uh, you know, really, now's the time? And I was just trying to blow him off, you know, and get him out of the way. And he goes, he had tears in his eyes. I'll never forget it. And he said, Dad, are you and, are you and Mom going to be okay? You're not going to split up, are you? Because you guys are fighting all the time. And it hit me, James. I've been numbing my pain. I was mad at you guys. I was mad at the church. I was mad at God. Things were not going right. I was taking it out on Berlin. And I said to my son, I need you to leave. And I turned off the stupid numbing device in my case. And I did what I should have been doing all along. And I went to my prayer room and I just told God how mad I was. And I'm using the nice word on church, but I told God how mad I was. Y'all with me? And God told me, in no uncertain terms, Chris, I didn't call you to save the world, you moron. Why are you carrying the weight of a church and the gospel on your shoulders when you couldn't flip and save anybody? How about let me be the savior? How about let me be the leader of the church and you just do your job? And I said, I'm sorry. The church was never my burden to carry. It was yours. I'm sorry. And you know what I did next? I went and apologized to my wife. And I told her, for, I'm sorry for being a jerk. And I told her why. I meant well. I honestly wanted to do the right thing. I just wanted to grow a flipping church. I just wanted to win people to Jesus. And Satan come in and messed up my thinking. And I thought it was about how I had to do it. And I never saved anybody. And I carried that responsibility, and Satan used it to cause me to be grouchy, unhappy, and miserable. Y'all ever been there? And I numbed it with just doing something else to entertain myself with. And then I went and apologized to my son. And I said, um, I'm turning the church over to God. Look where we're at now. And I said, me and mom's going to be okay, dude. And he goes, Dad, I'm sorry. And I said, don't you apologize for one second, buddy. Because you know what happened that day? You know, we would like to use the term that my son called me out. But my son didn't. He said, Dad, I'm praying for you. Dad, I love you. And I coined a new phrase that day. And it's the same phrase that Jim Putman writes, and I reread that this week in his new book out, and he's a great discipleship pastor. And Jim Putman says in his book about the power of being together, discipleship, is he said, God doesn't call us out, he calls us up. I want you to write that down this morning. This is what we, this is us at Connect Church. This is what we do. What I just did this morning is I'm not calling you out, I'm calling you up. You notice the difference. The old school way is we called you guys out and we told you how bad, how sorry, you need to quit wearing shorts, y'all need to go to church more, blah, blah, blah. And we gave you a list, Brooks, of 10 things you were supposed to do. We called you out really good, but we didn't teach you how to really turn your, ba- your pain and your problems over to God. And what I'm telling you, the difference between church is an institution and the church is a family is we don't call you out, we call you up into the presence of God. Give God a round of applause. That is worthy to be praised. This is our new catchphrase here at Connect Church. In your small groups, in your discipleship groups, you're going to be held accountable. We make no mistake about it. You're going to hear that story as we end this message today. Ladies and gentlemen, we are calling you up. We're not calling you out, and we want you to be able to get all that God has for you today. All right, so let's finish this thing out. So how do we do that? If you want peace, are you listening to me? If you're, if you're tired of 
if you're deciding this morning, as you're listening, I need more than numbing. I want peace. I want freedom from my past. Freedom to let go. Do you know what I just illustrated to you? I want freedom from my past. I want peace, and I want hope for a future. The numbing's not going to work. Can I offer you a better way? It is faith. It is confidence in God, and it is in Him that He is going to answer your prayers. And you know what calling you up looks like? Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is possible, impossible to please Him. This is God's version of calling you up. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Sorry. The writer of Hebrews begins this chapter with a challenge to his readers. Now we're going to dig a little bit deeper. Hang with me. We're going to do this quickly. He wants to take us a little bit deeper. So he says, here's all the people in Hebrews chapter 11. He's going to give us a list of all these ordinary people who did great things for God. But he says, before you understand how they did great things for God, you need to know the definition of faith. So what is this faith that we're asking God to grow? Verse 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The Greek word for assurance there is the Greek word hypostasis. It doesn't sound anything like that. My oldest son would have a cow right now, but that's what I call it, so we're going with it. And you don't know any different anyway, so who cares? So, but here's what you need to know about this word assurance, and I want you to circle it in your Bible. It means being absolutely sure. It is a noun that is what we call in the present tense. In other words, God wants you living every day being sure and confident that he's got this. He is with you every day. It's an active noun that means you never have uh, no hope. You never have to numb yourself. God is constantly, always assuring you he's there for you and he's got you. Write that down. That is money. So then he says, I want you to live in this confidence of God. And so we ask ourselves, okay, well, how do we know that God really is all that he says he is? Verse 2. For by the people of old, they received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what was seen was not made with things that are visible. So in other words, real quickly this morning, God is the one who grows your face, faith. You know what he was saying to them? He's saying, you understand this morning is that in verse 2 and 3, do you believe today? Y'all with me? Now with me. Who created the universe? intelligent design. There's no way this just was a cosmic boop. Oh yeah, that was really cool. And then we just, you know, grew legs and we're all cool here. No, it takes way more faith to believe in evolution. Verse two and three tells us there has to be intelligent design by the design of the universe. When you look at the stars and the rotation of the planets and how all that had to come and be, do you not believe in a big God when you think about the universe? Isn't that awesome? All right. So why in a John Brown do you ever think, who is God's greatest creation? It is not planet Earth. It is not the moon, the sun, and the stars. It is not any animal or plant. It is you. If God designed you, then you have to think and make that easy next step. He has a purpose for your creation. And if God has a purpose for making you like you, then you need to have the assurance, hypostasis, that he will carry out his purpose for your life. Somebody say amen. That is faith. That is the assurance that the text is teaching us. Here's how Dr. George Guthrie sums what I just said with a very intellectual New Testament scholarly way. Faith is confidence that results in action carried out in a variety of situations by ordinary people in response to the unseen God and his promises. I love that. That is good stuff. You want to take that home with you this morning. So, in the essence of biblical faith, involves us orienting our lives to God and his values. So, what does it take to please God? How does God grow your faith? Now, real quickly this morning, i got five minutes, so let's hurry up and get this down. Number one, God grows my faith by knowing his word. Every time you read this book, your faith is growing. 
Look at me this morning. If your faith is weak this morning, some of you going, oh, Pastor Terry, I just don't know if God can do this in my life. My faith is weak. (laughs) Can I lovingly tell you something? If your faith is weak this morning, it's because you're not reading this book. If you know who God is, you're going to have a big faith. Let me say it again. If you're struggling to have faith, well, I just don't think God can solve this problem in my marriage, my life. I promise you, you're not doing hair journals and you're not in the Word. Because if you read about Him, you're going to believe He can solve any problem in your heart and your life. If your faith is weak, then get up and get off your backside and get into the Word of God. I don't know how much to tell you any better. Faith grows by knowing the word of God. And here's what Dr. Danny Aiken applies this text, great New Testament scholar and preacher. By faith, we come to know God. Here's how he grows your faith. You get into the word and he grows your faith because you know the word and you're going to know who he is. You're going to have a relationship with God. Let me illustrate to you this way on a, on a, on a term that you guys can understand. Do you guys know who our music minister Tanner Stahl? If I were to ask you in summary, how would you describe what makes Tanner, t- what does Tanner love? What, what makes Tanner happy? What gets Tanner motivated to get up in the morning? What, what would you say, here's two things that's going to come to mind and immediately, and I'm sorry, Ashley, it's not you and the girls. But if I ask Tanner Stahl what makes you tick and what makes you rock your world, you know what's going to come to your mind. It's going to be a tie. It's going to be that a word Arkansas, <laughs> you know, and that's going to come to, is the part of the thing, but you know what the main thing that's going to make Tanner, what is it? Tacos. Amen. You know what you were thinking? What makes Tanner get up in the morning? It's tacos. If I walk into Monday morning and I want to have a happy camper in my music stage, I go to Taco Bell and I get the grande pack and I come in here with six Dorito tacos. Do you know what Tanner is going to do? He is going to drop everything sitting right back there and he's going to run to me with his arms wide open and then he's going to clap And then he's going to go, you're the greatest boss ever, and I will never leave you. If I want Tanner to stay at this church, I don't have to pray about it. I don't have to talk to him about discipleship. I just have to feed Tanner tacos, and he's here. And you all know it's true because you're laughing. Tanner opens up his arms and takes the tacos in, and God wants to do the very same thing in your life. Look at me. If your face's not growing, it's because you're not opening your arms and saying, God, I want you to come in and feed me. God, you're the love of my life. Feed me, God. Feed me, God. Guys, you need to wake up on Sunday morning. You need to start on Saturday night. If you're not praying, if you want to know how to view this whole thing, what I'm talking about, open up your arms to God. Belen does a great discourse. You need to go back and watch Wednesday night's video about people that, and she shares with you, don't you ever say you didn't get fed in the word of God. If you want to know Belen unburden her heart, you go back and watch that video. But I'm just telling you, brothers and sisters, the reason you're not getting fed and by God is because you're not coming here hungry with your arms open. If you're not getting fed, it's because you don't want and ask God to receive it. Let me throw out a crazy idea. How about you go to bed a little bit early on Saturday night praying and asking God to feed your soul and allow you to worship. You wake up Sunday morning praying and asking God to feed your soul and to worship, and you see if you don't get more out of it. Open arms. We ask God to feed our souls because we come to know him. By faith, we believe that he is Do you know what the motto of the state of Missouri is? Alan and Lisa, our friends in uh, Mountain Grove this morning, go ahead and type on on the webpage right now. What is the motto of Missouri? It's the show me state. The problem for our current generation is we want to be shown everything. We want everything to be proven. I have to see it on a YouTube video, Pastor, if I know that this is going to work. I want to tell you this morning, By faith, you believe that God created the universe. God is demonstrating his glory in your heart, in your life, but you find out who he is through the word of God. And then number three, by faith, we trust him to keep his word. Now, I want to real quickly tell you about three people this morning that learned to trust God to keep his word in their life. The first one is Abel. We're going to tell you about uh, a shepherd, a preacher, and a builder. Now look with me in verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, and through this which he was commanded as righteous. God commended, commanded him by accepting his gifts, and through faith, though he died, he still speaks. Now listen to me real quickly this morning. i got to fly here. Abel, 
Who, you remember, by the way, he, he made the perfect sacrifice. God said, what was the sacrifice? You can bring plants and animals. No, what did God say? God said you need to sacrifice the blood of a perfect lamb. You understand why he was teaching that. What did Abel do? You remember what happened to Abel? What happened to Abel? Anybody who went to Sunday school when he was growing up? What happened to Abel? What do we know? He died. He got killed. And who killed him? All right, we got seven people that went to Sunday school. Man, you guys are pathetic. Who killed him? Cain. Cain killed Abel. That's what we learned in Sunday school in first grade, right? Remember Cain killed Abel. Have you ever thought through this now? Why did Cain kill Abel? Because he was jealous, because he didn't do it God's way. Oh, you want to to write this down. You keep doing God your way. You keep doing church your way. And you're not only going to destroy your life, but you're going to destroy all of the future generations of your children. But you keep doing it your way. You, you keep doing church your way, the way I want it to have done. And I promise you, you're going to murder your kids and the generations to come. And they won't do what they're happening here is where our kids are staying in church and they're coming back. Because I'm telling you, there's only one way to do God and it's his way. Abel. And by the way, well, we're going to save that. Let's go to Enoch. Verse 5. I think it's verse 5. Yeah. By faith, Enoch was taken up that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commanded as having pleased God. Here's what Bible scholars tell us real quickly. He was a preacher, and Mark, he preached in a generation. Can you imagine this? He preached in a generation, Bob, where nobody wanted to hear the preaching. They, the Bible scholars tell us that it was a very advanced civilization in which any preached, and nobody had time for God. They were, they were basically giving God the finger. They had no use for God whatsoever, and any kept preaching anyway, and they said that nobody responded, that it was a wicked, vile generation. Can you imagine preaching and living in a wicked, vile generation that had no use for God, and that Enoch, you know what Enoch did? He threw up his hands. He was just like church members. He quit. No, no, no. Enoch just kept on preaching every day. He just kept on telling people, this is the God I I know he never doubted his God and God said you know what son I am so tired of all the people rejecting you you just come on home with me and God picked him up and took him to heaven and now let's get to the last one verse 7 and by Noah by faith by faith Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household and by this He condemned the world, and he became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, real quickly, y'all know the story of Noah. Please tell me you went to Sunday school, at least for Noah. You've watched the flipping movie. Oh, my gosh, you guys are terrible. And anyway, so Noah does what? Builds the ark. Remember, he saved his family, saved a generation of animals. But you realize... All the other animals died. All the other families died. Now, are you getting this? Here's the point I want to make about your faith in the Word of God. I'll get this. You need to to listen to me. Some of you just keep wanting to be positive people. Gag. And here's why. You are always looking for rainbows and butterflies and all of your situations and everything I want to work out great and I want my life to be so good and I get that I understand that but that's not reality that's refraction because reality is look at the text Abel died because he did the right thing Enoch was taken because everybody rejected him. And God said, I'm tired of you being hurt by people and rejected again and again. And I'm not going to let that happen to you anymore. I'm going to take you home. And then Noah lost every friend he ever knew on the flipping planet died. Yet there in Hebrews 11 is the greatest people of faith. 
Now, maybe it's us that are thinking wrong about this whole life. Maybe it's not about rainbows and butterflies in this life. Maybe it's about confidence in God. And one day, God will bless me with more than I can ever imagine. How about we quit feeling sorry ourselves and quit worrying about the past failures in our life. And our faith is in the word of God because I am who he says I am. And I'm not defined by everything else around me that's money your faith is in your confidence in God we got that somewhere put that on the screen faith is confidence in God not in my circumstances well that's sort of neat that brother Terry just brought up the word circumstances which is point number two God grows my faith through circumstances that test me you notice sort of how this is all fitting together biblically (laughs) isn't that cool because we try to preach out the bible here uh and, and so guess what happens next do you know that 24 hours a day your faith is being tested 24 hours a day Satan is trying to wear you out so how does God grow our faith through allowing my faith to be tested the same way Abel, Enoch, and Noah's faith was tested through their circumstances. Number one, all three of these dudes had a dream. Write it down. All three of these guys had a dream. Did the dream go easy? Did it go well? It was, we're going to find out about that, but they did have a dream. And listen to me. Now, here's for all you positive people. We need you and we want you in our lives because we need dreamers. And we need people who believe that God, even when it's hard to do, and we're going to find out that about in a second, it's not wrong to dream. But you've got to let God bring your dreams to fruition and quit trying to do it yourself. God wants you to have dreams, but they need to match up to him. Can I tell you about our church's dreams and what God is doing? And then I'm going to give a caveat to it. But here's where we're at today. This is so cool, and and, and this is amazing. Y'all ready for some amazing stuff? I'm going to wrap this up, I promise. But here's where we're at this morning. Today, in first service, we had somebody join our church. We're going to have two more families at the close of service. I'm probably going to forget and run out, and then I'll have to come back. But anyway, we're going to have two more families join uh, join our church this morning, and then one more again next week. Now, here's the thing you need to know. That, That is cool in itself. Four new families joining the church in the next two weeks. But here's what's even better is we've now hit our fourth month in a row. Fourth month in a row that somebody, in the midst of flipping COVID, that somebody has gotten saved, baptized, or joined our church. Isn't that awesome? Four months in a row that God is growing our church. We are now in our fourth week that we've had over 300. Fourth straight week that in the midst of flipping COVID, did I tell you how much I love that? Uh, is that in the midst of flipping COVID, we've had three, four straight weeks of averaging over 300 in attendance. God is blessing our church. Do you know what we'll, we're averaging in the midst of flipping COVID? We're averaging on Sunday nights in our discipleship and doing the church as a family. On Sunday nights, in, we're averaging over 190, just under 200. That is more people, Miss Barbara, that came on Sunday morning when I started here 19 years ago that we have meeting in small groups and discipleship. That is amazing. We're learning how to be a family and grow together with one another. We're doing what we say that we believe in. And, and, and it gets better. Y'all ready? I'm just telling you, just a little, just a little taste of what what God is doing. It's happening on Wednesday nights. We're hitting all-time high. We have this thing called Wednesday nights. It's a midweek pick-me-up is what we like to say. Does anybody else get worn out by the time you get to next Sunday and need a little extra charge? Then join us on Wednesday nights. We are growing expeditiously on Wednesday nights. We're getting ready to launch in two weeks a brand new series on Wednesday nights for adults uh, with Dr. Tony Evans on the spiritual armor. That thing I keep talking to you about in prayer, we're going to talk to you guys about how to suit that up every day with Tony Evans as our speaker and leader through that it's going to be amazing but you know what's really leading our Wednesday nights is these guys it's unbelievable y'all ready for this this is what we've dreamed of this is our dreams that God would raise up an army of young people that not only want to come back to this church but are making a difference now Andrew is having an average of 45 teenagers and and their adult leaders meeting on Wednesday nights. Give God a round of applause. 45 
adults and young and leaders. And you know what happens on Wednesday night? They entertain them and they have a great time and they give them a show. You know what happens on Wednesday night? Not at all. What happens on Wednesday nights is Andrew preaches the word of God to them, Ernie. He delivers a sermon into their generation and pours the truth of the counsel of the word of God into their hearts and lives. And before they do that, we've got our band and Tanner is helping out with that. But it's not just our band playing. These guys are leading the worship service with their own youth being invested in the leadership of the music and the worship on Wednesday night. They're investing in this. They're doing this. Then he preaches to them. Then they're not done yet. We're doing discipleship on Wednesday night. After he gets done preaching, it's always a long service. I hate people that do long services. And, uh, and then, uh, but here's what's happening. After their service is they're breaking out with leaders like Mike and others that are discipling your teenagers into their age divisions and their adults are pouring into them and taking the sermon. And they're literally doing what we talk about, doing discipleship on on Wednesday nights in small groups after the message and by the time I walk out of here I'm walking down the hallway watching teenagers come out of there that I've never even met before because here's what God is doing these guys are telling their friends what God is doing in their hearts and lives and they're bringing teenagers that don't come to church on Sunday but they're bringing them on Wednesday night because God is speaking into their hearts and lives a dream just a little taste did you hear what Tanner announced two weeks ago? We're taking 10 adults from Connect Church to the other side of the planet where we've never been before. And for the first time in our church 90-year history, Connect Church is getting on board with what we need to be all along, is we're taking missionaries, to, uh, we're taking our team to missionaries in Japan, and we're gonna help that church plant that's happening in Japan, and we're taking 10 of our own people to Japan on a missions trip. Man, God is amazing of what he is doing, not just here, but you know what else is gonna happen? This spring, 17 small groups, 17 now small groups that meet every Sunday night in our church are going to do service projects in this community here in the next few weeks and we're going to go love and share the gospel into the city of Tupelo and the surrounding counties because that's what we do here at Connect Church. This is living the dream. This is what God is giving us and it's changing lives and you guys are reaping the benefits of it and I'm just telling you we believe in God giving us dreams and look and it's not over there you need to sign up for the couples retreat. I mean, you're going to get a once-in-a-lifetime chance to have a guy that is at the top of a profession, a book writer on marriage and family. It's going to get a chance to pour into you. Get your backsides up there and sign up and be here and allow God to speak into your hearts and in your lives. But we're not just done there. You know what we're going to do? Next month, we're going to open up a little store. It's a dream that we had that God gave us, and we're going to have a little booth set up in the corner of the building over here. And every Sunday when you leave here, you're going to be able to get church attire. You're going to be able to buy stuff but we're going to have resources that go along with the sermons, that go along with for parenting. We're going to have resources like our own little Lifeway store that's going to be opening up next month. I'm just telling you, we're doing so many things that are coming down the pike for you guys. We're going to start a new series of sermons in March with the book of Philippians, and we're going to walk you through one of the greatest books of the Bible. Did I mention that we're doing a missions trip next fall? I'm just telling you, you don't even have a clue how much stuff God's fixing to do here because we believe that God's given us a dream to make disciples share the gospel and pray for God to bless all of this and he's doing that but you know what happens in the midst of all of those stuff and much more you're going to have delays principle number two all of this stuff that we're doing look at me this morning I've been here 19 years James you've been here through it all this stuff that we're doing now Miss Susan you've been here through it all this didn't happen overnight. Are you listening to me? We had to stay with it. God tests your faith. Do you know how many times we got rejected? We used to have business meetings that we literally had people get up and argue when I was going to spend money to share the gospel in our community and say, all that money is going to go up in smoke. People used to fight that we wouldn't do these kind of things. And now we're just living out the dream. But you know what we had to do? It's taken 19 years to get here. You've got to wait on God. Why you guys quit so easy? You've got to hang in there. You've got to wait on God through the delays, which leads us to the final principle, is you're going to have difficulties. I don't know why you guys keep thinking that ever all this is going to go easy. Have you guys ever heard of Satan? 
do you guys know who he is? He's going to try to give you difficulties. Why do you guys keep thinking that it's going to be all this easy? <sighs> Let me tell you about difficulties. You have no idea. So Belinda and I <sighs> have had connect groups this year. And, you know, we sort of promote these a lot here. And we're a big fan. And so Belinda and I are leading our connect groups this year, difficulties. And we have looked at each other countless times. And we love our group but it has been one of the most difficult connect groups we've had all year long that we've ever had here. And I'm not going to lie, um, we've had some folks quit. You know, who would quit on the pastor and his wife's connect group because we're so awesome? <laughs> it's not funny. It hurts. Y'all are terrible. We've had folks quit. And we've had others that have gotten COVID. It doesn't all go pie-in-the-sky butterflies. And honestly... Belinda and I have looked at each other and go, this has just been a difficult year for connect groups. And honestly, I love our people, but it just, it just it hasn't clicked as well as we would have liked it to have clicked. And they're in the room today, so they're going, wow, great, thanks. I'm not done yet. And I'm not going to lie. Last Sunday, after the heart stuff and after preaching and sort of laying out, Belinda was mad, deacons were mad, everybody's mad, and I felt like crud. And I was like, I literally came this close to telling Belen, I do not, and I know this is terrible. I'm the pastor, sort of preaching, and I said, why don't you call everybody and just tell them I don't want to do this tonight. That's terrible. I'm the, I'm the guy that preaches this stuff. And I said, why don't you just tell them to stay home? Because I'm not in the mood. I don't feel like it. I'm tired. And so I didn't. I was obedient because it's difficult. I went ahead and did it anyway because it was difficult, and I had faith. Not much, but a little. And they showed up, and they were all happy, and I was feeling like crud, and I was just like, whatever. And they told stories. I didn't laugh. It was just, you know, they were doing whatever, and I was just, I was not in the mood. Sorry. And so I get down to the questions, and we ate, and, you know, I was like, just sit down, shut up, and let me do the questions, and we'll get out of here. I didn't say that, but I really was thinking it. Y'all don't judge me. You've done the same thing. Played the game. And so I read question number one. What was the most exciting thing? What did you get out of the message? Blah, 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 blah. And I pretty much read it like that. And do you know what happened next? <laughs> God grew our faith in difficulties. This year's been a frustrating year. Did I mention that? And what happened next is family. Being called up, not out. And we have one of the ladies in our group just shared, and she goes, you know, I was so mad at your message today. And I was like, great, I really need to hear this with a bad ticker. And she just started in and she goes, I was so ill and mad when you first started preaching this because why isn't God saving my kids? And she was just vulnerable and she was just raw. She just started crying. And she just started sharing. I was so mad because why doesn't God save my family? But then I realized when you were preaching that God was just, he's just like preacher, you were just slapping me in the face. And then I realized God loves me anyway, and I've got to keep on believing in God, and I've got to not give up. And she goes, I just want to thank you for being raw and honest to tell me what I didn't want to hear. And she just opened up and wept. And this other lady started talking in our group. I've only heard her talk like three times, and, and uh, she's just not a sharer. And she just began to share, and she told us her story. I was sitting there with my mouth open. I thought I knew her story. I had no clue. And she told me the pain of being in a church and she had made bad decisions that it had sort of been hurtful in the church and the church had shunned her and the church had told her that it was all her fault and they didn't want anything to do with her. And then she started making other bad decisions in her life because the way that, that she was judged. And then finally she says, but listen where I'm at now. God has got me in a new place. He's got me in a new church and he's got me a new husband. And I'm just telling you, God can redeem the broken things. And they just started sharing. I just folded up the questions and I said, oh baby, we're done. The Holy Spirit's got this. And I just, and I didn't ask another question. And then one after another began to share. And I, I watched grown men that I've never seen cry, began to have tears coming down their cheeks. And they were saying, I want you to pray for my son. I want you to pray for my kid that they get saved too. And the Holy Spirit just took over our meeting. I never asked another question because God was reminding them it's a family. It's a family and it's going to be difficult and there are going to be delays but you keep believing in God because he's the answer and then 
one of the guys spoke up and he said, I want you to know, I just witnessed for the first time this week. And he said, and I got to talking to a guy that was using the F-bomb and he was just cussing one side down the other. And he said, I finally got so mad at trying to tell him about Jesus, I just looked at the old boy and said, turn or burn, buddy. And I was going, you don't do that. But then I go, no. He witnessed for the first time in his life. And you know what? I said, way to go. I don't care if you don't say it right. At least you said it. And maybe that's what that old joker needed to hear. Because I'd rather have people be raw and genuine. Turn or burn, baby. I love it. Because we're not politically correct here. We allow the Holy Spirit to do church here. And these people just got raw. And it was one of the greatest connect groups of my life. Now you hear me this morning? It would have never happened. It would have never happened if I kept refracting my view and doing what I felt and just said, no, don't come. God raised up faith in people through the delay and through the difficulty. I love what God is doing at Connect Church. This is us. We stand. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 1030. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like to answer, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.